Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Hot Mess Podcast. I am your host, Matilda Johnson, and today we are getting messy. Before I start off this today, (laughs) wow, your girl just had a glass of wine, if you couldn't tell. If you couldn't tell, oh God, oh God, we're off to a really good, fun start with this one, aren't we? Before I start this episode, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who tuned into last week's episode. It has had some crazy good reviews. I've only heard good things, which to be honest, surprised me because obviously it was something that I was quite nervous about putting out into the universe. If you haven't listened, my previous episode was the Real Life Dance Academy, where I talked about my last my past life, if you will, my previous experiences about being a full-time dancer and what that was like for me. And yeah, I, I was thinking I would get some bad reviews, but I've only heard good things, which is a blessing. I thought I was close to getting a bad review, but I think I kind of stopped somebody in their tracks from leaving a nasty message. Um, Kill them with kindness, as Selena Gomez would say. Speaking of Selena Gomez, the world will know peace now since she and Hailey Bieber have been photographed together, but that's another story. But anyway, thank you to everyone who tuned in to last week's episode. And speaking of last week's episode, just while I'm at it, there will be definitely more where that came from. I've decided that because it was such a well-received episode, I will be discussing my experience as a dancer more in the future. And I'm also going to be having some guests on to discuss their own experiences as well, which I'm very excited about. All right, let's get straight into it then. So today, my weekly wrap. All right, so my TikTok feed is a lot of, I feel like um, House of Dragon fans or just really horny people will relate to this, uh, Negroni Spagliato with a little Prosecco in it. I can't. I went to order that drink the other day though and I just got too nervous. It sounds too alcoholic for me in my weak stomach. Um, But anyway, absolutely stunning I love the cast of House of Dragon. I just watched the newest episode. Nothing can quite level how mad it made me, but whatever. Um, my my TikTok feed is also a lot of Maddie Healy from the 1975. I'm not quite sure how I got onto Maddie Healy TikTok thirst TikToks, but like I'm not mad about it. He's a very lovely man to look at and to listen to. I feel like I kind of missed out on the 1975 era a little bit. I don't think I was cool enough at the time when like they first became really big. I don't think I was cool enough at that time to really be all over that. Like I wasn't a Tumblr girl at the time. I love listening to them now. Some of their songs are like my favorite songs, but yeah, I feel like I'm just not cool enough to call myself a big 1975 fan, but I do love Maddie Healy and I love his interview he did one on Chicken Shop Date with Amelia Zimoldenberg. I really hope I didn't screw up her last name, but it is the most gorgeous and awkward and funny date, quote unquote date, to watch. And like watching him flirt. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that noise. That is disturbing. Um, 
what do I recommend to watch? Okay, I have been watching on Netflix a movie called The Redeem Team, which is about American basketball in the Olympics. I can't remember what year it is, but it was after, you know, like, of course, they had the dream team with Michael Jordan. And of course, like that was its own Netflix TV kind of special with it being, what was it called? The Last Dance. I watched it like three times during lockdown, absolutely obsessed with it. I wouldn't say I'm a huge basketball fan in that, like I follow it religiously, but I really respect the sport. I played basketball as a kid. My dad coached basketball, like love basketball, love watching the game. But there's something about the documentaries around basketball that I just cannot get enough of. Like, I really love... So I'm watching The Redeem Team. I haven't quite finished it just yet, but I'm already recommending it because I love the way that these documentaries can really get into a team environment and kind of get down to the bottom of what makes a team so successful. I find it really interesting and it's, you know, it's... LeBron James and it's Kobe Bryant and it's about, you know, those two were very dominant figures in the basketball industry and the sports industry at the time. And it was kind of like, who's going to be the leader of this team, but they didn't actually need either of them to be the leader because they meshed so well together and they bonded so well. There was no need to assert dominance or anything like that. And they were able to grow a successful team together. I think it's really cool to watch. I've just looked it up now and it's actually by the same director of The Last Dance, John Weinbeck. So if you enjoyed The Last Dance, I highly recommend it. I love it so much. I'm even going to give a little synopsis. So the documentary takes you through the rise of Team USA basketball from an embarrassing loss in the 2004 Olympics to the pinnacle of international basketball with a gold medal in 2008. And I remember this so clearly because it was the Beijing Olympics. I was in year four. It was so big at the time. It was probably like the most fun Olympics that I've seen. Well, like to be honest, I feel like they're getting less and less fun as I grow up. But for me that year, like the 2008 Beijing Olympics were the pinnacle of the Olympics. And I remember watching them win and the sense of pride and, oh, it's so good. And you know, like We got to see LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Kobe Bryant, you know, like all in one team. Like how sick is that? Like that is so cool. But then recommending this, I also, oh my God, maybe I am secretly a closeted basketball fan. I also have to recommend The Dream Team, which is a movie from 1992. I remember watching this in high school and I was so enthralled by it and it was Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Maybe I am a basketball fan. How do I know all of these people's names? I don't know how I know these people's names. I'm probably losing a lot of listeners who aren't into basketball, but maybe watch the Dream Team, the 1992 movie, and then watch the Redeem Team, and you'll understand just how good this is. We're going to have to move on because I feel like I could continue talking about basketball at this point. I'm starting to think that I am a sports commentator, which is really funny because I'll definitely never be a sports commentator in my whole life. Sorry, I just kicked my Frank Green. Oops. But I am going to be discussing on today's podcast all the jobs I've ever wanted and how I'm probably not going to do any of them and how sad that makes me. (laughs) I feel like this really flows well from last week's episode because obviously I discussed the fact that I thought I was going to be a dancer and that was what I'd done my entire life. And so I thought that that was going to be my whole life. And now that's not what I'm doing. And so I feel like 
I'm not so lost anymore. I found a job that I'm really enjoying and it's in an industry that I've always had interest in. However, there's a lot of stuff that I've tested and trialed along the way that don't really make sense with one another. And I've got all of these things that I want to do with my life and none of them really mesh well or make any sense in general, but some of it does, some of it doesn't. And then I've also like done different courses and tried different things. And at this point, I feel like, am I really qualified to do anything? I'm 24 years old and I'm just like, am I having another quarter life crisis? Do I have any skills? I'm just not sure anymore, to be honest. I, it like confuses me, but also I'm like, well, I do have qualifications. I just don't know where they are. You know what I mean? I don't know if I, it even makes sense at this point. But basically I think, I feel like a lot of people my age have always known what they wanted to do. And I'm like, is that a normal thing? I'm not sure. But like I, as a kid, I wanted to do so many different jobs, but dance was always like my number one and musical theater was always my number one. But I remember, I think it was around year five, I had this teacher and I think it was like once a month, she would make us stand up in front of the class and say our names and say what we're going to be when we're older. And it was kind of like, I guess looking back on it now, maybe it was kind of like a form of manifesting she was having us doing because the same people would get up and be like, my name's Jesse and I'm going to be a firefighter or my name's Brooke and I'm going to be a personal trainer. And then I look at these people now and they're actually doing that. And I'm like, whoa, were we doing manifesting at a young age and didn't even realize? But I found it really weird because people would stand up around me and say so confidently what they were going to do. And then the next month would come and they would say the same thing again. And the next month would come and they would say the same thing again. And each month mine would change and people would laugh. Like I remember like my friends around me giggling cause they're like, Oh, Tilly, like another job really. Cause like my best friend at the time, her name's Emma. And I remember she was a year five and she would so confidently and boldly say, I'm Emma and I'm going to be a nurse or doctor for the Medicine Sun Frontiers. And I was like, queen, slay mama. And she's currently studying. I know this now. And it may not be directly in medicine. However, it is in helping disadvantaged communities which is kind of what the Medicine Sun Frontiers do. And so I feel like she has followed that path. And I'm like, what? Like, it's just crazy to me that people from such a young age have such strong ideas of who they're going to be when they're older. And I think I always had issues with that. So basically, I remember I would stand up in front of class and say stuff like, I want to be a wedding planner or I got strongly influenced by Indiana Jones for a long time. And so I was convinced I was going to be an archaeologist and then it was a marine biologist and then it was a zoologist. And get this, I didn't even study any form of biology or science in high school, but I was convinced that that is what I was going to do. <laughs> but I think I would like come up with this list and then at the end of it, I would like always come back to dancing or musical theater. So I'm lucky in the fact that I did manage to turn my passion into a career for at least a short period of my life. And I'm grateful for that. However, now that I've made the decision to not continue down that path, I think it's like kind of allowing me to discover new things of interest or like 
potential career opportunities. For instance, currently I'm working in the fashion industry and I'm loving it. And it's a lot of organizational skills. It's a lot of styling. It's a lot of communication and working with individuals. Um, and I really love that because I feel like it's style is very personal and fashion is very personal. Like people would say it's a materialistic industry. It is. However, everyone has their own sense of identity and helping them with their fashion helps them with their sense of self and their confidence and stuff like that. And I think it's really empowering. And I find it really empowering to help somebody find their confidence in their appearance. I think it also stems from the fact that I've not always had confidence in my appearance. And so helping somebody else feel confident and comfortable in their own skin makes me feel so happy. So I'm incredibly grateful to be working in this industry because I like helping people in that sense. But now that my sister is also an engaged woman, she's a fiance, she got that diamond on that finger. Oh God. Um, now that she's planning a wedding. I've gone full speed ahead with this and I'm living, sliving, if you will. And as a kid, I really wanted to be a wedding planner as well. So I think I'm finally getting to like dip my toes in the lake of wedding planning. And it is so much fun. So basically she asked me to be her maid of honor and your girl is honored. I'm very excited about this. If you could not tell from my enthusiasm talking about it, I am so beyond excited for my sister to be getting married. And so like they've been engaged for what, like a week and a half now, let's say. And I'm already like sending my sister locations and how to plan a wedding on a budget and different Facebook communities you can join to help each other plan weddings and like what you should do for invitations and catering and stuff like that. And my sister's just like, dude, chill. Like we're probably not getting married till 2024 at the like, you know, like at least. And I'm just here like, Narcissus, you have to get in early. We are finding locations. And I'm having such a blast with it because she's also got a very different aesthetic to what I do and like what I would want for my own wedding. So it's kind of fun to be able to like go a little bit more out there with like a wedding because I'd say she's a bit more eccentric and a bit more eclectic when I am and would probably make bolder choices. Um, whereas I really like a classic kind of style wedding. Um, I say classic, but then like when you actually see my wedding, what it'll be like in the future, if I do get married, let's pray because I want the wedding. <laughs> it It's not, it's not classic. Classic is what I want. Like it's classic. Anyway, not the point. We'll talk about that when the day finally comes for me. I say finally, like I'm a spinster. I'm not, but I'm having fun with planning her wedding already because she and I have two very different tastes. And this makes me think, oh my God, maybe I should go into event management and then become a wedding planner. Because firstly, I have great organizational skills. I'm very reliable. I'm a good communicator and I am good at bargaining as well. And I, I'm learning how to budget. It's not my strongest point, but I am getting there. My boyfriend is studying accounting and business and he's 
He's cracking the whip on me. He's like, you need to stop shopping. I am confessions of a shopaholic, but I'm having a really fun time with this. And I'm like, I could go into wedding planning. And I honestly, like, I feel like some people would say wedding planners would like make some weddings all the same because of course they have their own style. That's like the last thing I would want. I would want to do a different wedding for every couple. I think that would be the most fun job. Stressful, absolutely stressful. Think about the bridezillas. Think about the bridezillas, but so much fun because you just get to plan every dream wedding or even if it's not your dream, like imagine like, okay, so my non-dream wedding, what I wouldn't want is like a gothic wedding or a Disney wedding. I could never, but planning it for somebody else and getting to witness the magic of the actual event. Oh, how fun would that be? I also think I would really enjoy being like an interior designer because, and it's really dumb reasoning. I just love Architectural Digest and I feel like it's my favorite YouTube channel and I feel like I would really thrive again in designing somebody else's dream home because you get to do it over and over and over again and every time you're just getting furniture and new designs and rebuilding and playing with textures and colors and patterns and it's not always for yourself so you get to experiment more and do more fun things that maybe you wouldn't do for yourself. Maybe I just, I've got, maybe I just want to experiment with things. Maybe I want to just do things for other people and reap the benefits. Maybe that's my calling in life. But the whole reason I'm talking about this is because if you watched, I posted a TikTok video when I first came out to say that I was creating my podcast and I was doing like a fun facts kind of thing about me as I did my makeup. And a lot of people were like, how the heck have you had so many jobs? Because I said that I've worked, I think it was like five jobs at a single time. And then I've had a whole heap of different jobs in my lifetime, in my 24 years. Um, so I thought I'd like discuss some of them with you and I could like talk about how some of them kind of work with each other and some of them just don't at all. And I think it'll be interesting to see like maybe my life is slowly moving in the right direction. But basically my first job was at my town's local IGA. Absolutely fucking hated it because the manager of the store was so intimidating. I was like 14 and it was my first job and he would stand over me at the cash registers at the end of the night and watch me count every single coin. And then if he thought I did a coin incorrectly, he'd like make me start again and again. And I would leave like crying every single time just because I was so intimidated by this man literally staring over my shoulder, watching me count money. And I hated math to begin with and like counting money and stuff. And it felt like a lot of responsibility to you because there's obviously a lot of cash in a till at an IGA. And especially in a small town, I feel like people just paid with cash there. And so I was so nervous, but oh well, you live and you learn. Hate still to this day though, like not a fan of that man. Anyway, my second job, I did a bit of dance teaching here and there. Obviously, I really liked dancing. However, I don't think everyone should be a dance teacher. It's like those who no, I don't want to say those who can't do teach because I know a lot of brilliant teachers. 
However, I just don't think every dancer should also be a dance teacher because I think there's a level of nurturing and skills and understanding of people's capabilities and physical limits that also needs to come with certain understandings. Not everyone's built the same way and like not everyone is capable of achieving the same things at the same rate as each other. So I think a lot of dance teachers aren't so understanding of that. You would have picked up on my thoughts of that as well in my previous episode, but I don't, I don't think I'm a bad da- dance teacher in that sense. I think I'm just not dedicated to teaching dance. I like choreograph choreographing. Why was I about to say choreographing? Okay. I like choreographing. However, I don't find a lot of joy in it. I think for me, I like to see the finished product. I think that I see the beauty in the finished product. However, piecing it together, I find very frustrating. I don't know. So that was never for me. From there, I worked in a coffee shop, which was like one day, once a week after school, like just cleaning and helping out there. And then moved to Melbourne. I got into children's entertainment when I started at my dance school, like my full-time course, they got me into children's entertainment. Sometimes that was really fun. Honestly, I've got a lot of funny stories about working in children's entertainment because you do get a lot of different experiences. I think for me, it taught me how to manage crowds, how to manage crazy parents because at the end of the day working in children's entertainment is more about the parents than it is about the kids um because the kids they don't really care they see the easter bunny and they're excited you know what i mean um but the parents they're the ones who are like my daughter didn't get enough time with the easter bunny and it's like move over we've still got like 500 more people to see today sorry that your child is so much more important than everyone else. That was like one of the things that it was like really frustrating with is understanding how to manage crowds and how to communicate with people who have a sense of kind of entitlement about their needs and like having their needs met. Also like trying to explain to people that you're not a babysitting service just because you're providing a form of entertainment. That was always frustrating. Um, I also worked in nightclubs. I've worked for a few different companies in nightclubs, um, in booth hosting, dancing, um, being like a promotional person. I was a door bitch at a nightclub for a while. And some places I had good experiences, some places I had not so good experiences. I think it's all about like the leaders of the companies and how they treat their staff as well, making sure that they feel safe in their environment. For instance, my most recent boss of a company I worked for, she and I are very dear friends. I absolutely adore her. And I think she runs her company very well and likes to make sure that all of her staff are safe and safe and taken care of. Because in a nightclub, you see a lot of shit. And like, sometimes like things don't always go to plan. As a booth girl, for instance, and as a dancer, you get hit on, you get treated like an object, which I absolutely, I think for me, that was like my least favorite part being treated like an absolute doormat or that like the people who've hired a booth, for instance, could do whatever they want with me because I was there to serve them. And I'm like, firstly, no, 
I'm here to pour you alcohol, nothing more than that. Like we also had some really weird incidences. Like sometimes it'd be really great if people in the booths wanted to tip you money. Sometimes you'd get a lot of money in a single night from that. One night I made like $500 just in tips, sometimes more than that. But then there would be other times where people would want to tip you in recreational naughty things instead of money and it's about like asserting your boundaries and being like no (laughs) like I know some people there were people who would accept recreational naughty things but I was more interested in the money and also I'm not really a user and abuser of those kinds of things if you are like good for you I'm just kind of terrified of the repercussions of stuff like that. So I, yeah, I was like, no, thank you. Give me your cash. Thank you. Thank you very much. Give me your fifties. Give me your hundies. Um, so I learned a lot in that I had to like assert my dominance, assert boundaries, um, kind of be more badass in a way. And it sounds really weird to say that, but like learning how to use, my personality to my advantage and knowing where it was a disadvantage and stuff like that as well. I think I've got a very young looking appearance and sometimes people would use that to try and take advantage of me. And so it gave me like a bit of an edge with my personality in that I had to learn how to act a certain way with certain people and kind of be like, no, you don't mess with me like that. Like I may look young, but I'm not stupid. So that was always a good learning experience. Um, outside of club work, I worked in restaurant management, which look, I'm going to say it. Hospitality is one of the most difficult industries you can work in because at the end of the day, people will never be totally satisfied with their food because everyone has such different tastes and different expectations and stuff like that. And then on top of that, I like being in management, I was also having to take care of staff who were for some, a lot of them, it was actually their first job. So, um, it was like taking care of quite young staff and making sure that they knew this wasn't just like an after school activity. This is a career for a lot of people. Um, and making sure that they were on top of it and making sure that they were providing a good service. And so that was really interesting, like learning how to manage a team for the first time. And I really enjoy that side of it. I really like being able to delegate tasks and make sure everyone's comfortable in the workplace and kind of having a say in making sure that everyone's okay with what they're doing as well. I think that's where I find enjoyment and making sure that like people come to work and they're enjoying work and like that they're in a good and safe environment for themselves. And ultimately that was also the reason I left that job was because I didn't think it was a mentally healthy environment for me to be in. And I also saw a lot of disrespect towards other people and towards the end of that job, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I really decided to go out with a bang with that one. I left like a really big handover notice for the company in an email. And I basically outlined like all the disrespect 
And it wasn't just disrespect, it was like quite discussing things, including racism, sexism, homophobia. I outlined all of it and was just like, this is not good enough and it's not what your company stands for. And if you want to improve, then this is where you need to start. Unfortunately, what I know of that company now is that things haven't changed. And I actually got a message from somebody who I used to work with who was also in the management team saying that to this day, this people in the company are still talking about that email that I sent as a reference of how they need to improve. So at least I know that when I left and I said something that I knew was going to be controversial for a lot of people, that at least it's been taken on board and people are still talking about it and thinking this is what we've done that has really messed us up in the past and this is what needs to change. So I'm I'm grateful that I stood up for what I believed in when leaving that career. Um, however, I also like, I know it's not my place. Like I shouldn't have to feel bad for leaving the people behind that I did, but I don't think, um, I, I, I feel sad knowing that there are a lot of people still stuck in that career who feel like they can't leave and like knowing it's not a good situation to be in. Um, after that, okay. So this is a really fun one. I worked in magic Mike live. (laughs) And when I say this, everyone's like, you were a stripper. I wasn't a stripper. Um, No disrespect to people in the sex work industry. It's a really intense industry to be a part of, but I personally was not a stripper. So basically I got the job with Magic Mike Live, which is Channing Tatum's live show. When they came to Australia, they were doing the tour and they were bringing it to Melbourne. And basically they, it was just after COVID So they needed people to be audience plants because they couldn't bring audience members on stage for health and safety reasons. And so basically I was hired to be front of house in the management kind of side of things and making sure that people were like allocated the correct seating, stuff like that. So, um, I was meant to be in the front of house team and then they knew I had prior dance experience, performing arts and stuff like that. And so I was offered a job as an audience plant, which was great because then that meant I was on a performing contract. So that was like a pay rise. And it also meant that I got to be backstage and see like all the backstage kind of stuff, which was really fun because I obviously having the dance background, that's kind of where I thrived. And then I got to meet all of the cast and get to know them all really well. A lot of them are now doing the show in Miami. So that's really cool. And like being able to see how it's developed, but basically with the show itself, I would get brought on stage for the lap dance scene and I would receive lap dances like five nights a week. And then I would also, there was like a few different lap dance scenes. So there was like the main lap dance scene. And then there was like their performance section where they did like a whole musical number. There was a singer, there was a guitarist, there was a drummer, there was a pianist, stuff like that. And I would go up on stage sometimes to do the piano section where I'd lie down on the grand piano and the guy playing Mike would like grind on top of me or, um, the drum section. I would like sit on the drummer's lap while he played the drums pretty much. Or, There was like also the candy shop scene. I was like the understudy for the girl who did this. So there were three of us who were chosen to be the audience plants. But there was the main girl who did the candy shop scene because her boyfriend was in the cast. So they had a level of comfort about her doing it because she felt like she really knew the guys in the show really well. So 
um, which made sense. But then I was her understudy and I never actually had to do it. But basically she had to lie down on like the bar, which was set up. Like it was like a, anyway, so there was a bar. She would lie down on the bar and one of the dancers would pour whipped cream on her torso, like her tummy, her neck, like chest, and then on her wrist and he would lick it off her body and then she would like pretend to lick some whipped cream off him as well. Um, so that was a really fun job to be a part of. Probably like one of the most fun jobs just because it was so wild and out there. And like it was in the industry that I was a part of at the time. And I got to meet a lot of people. And it was just a lot of fun. And I got to see the show as well, like every night. And yeah, it was a brilliant show. And I would 100% go and see it as an audience member. And I would recommend it to anybody who's got one in their city, like absolutely amazing show. And then after that, I got my first job in fashion just as a retail assistant. And I really loved it. I love all the people still who work for that company. And then I decided to quit that job so I could travel around for a bit. And now I've got my current job which I have already said, I absolutely adore. I think what I like the most about my current job is that again, I'm in management and in like, so I'm working amongst a team that I really love. I love all the people I'm working with and we're all really good at communicating. And it's kind of been nice to be able to set my own kind of ground rules for my expectations of a company and stuff like that, because, um, I don't know. It's nice to kind of be able to understand people's needs and be like, this is what we need from each other. This is the respect levels we need. This is what we need to understand of one another. It's nice to be able to like lay down the law in that kind of aspect. But this being the title of being underqualified for life, I just find it really interesting that I've had all of these different positions and now I'm in a management role, for instance, and the only real qualifications I have are my year 12 certificate, a certificate for in dance and a diploma of musical theater. And so it's kind of like, how did I get to where I am? I don't really know. And I feel like my goal is to just continue growing within either like the company I'm currently with or just in my own personal career as well. Obviously this is now my own business too. So it's really cool to be able to say that I own a business. And then on top of that, it's kind of nice to be able to see like, where I can go outside of this as well, because obviously I've had so many different career changes already. It's kind of like, well, where else can I, can, can I broaden my horizons? Even if it's just like in a passion project, because not all of my job choices have turned out to be careers. I kind of love what I'm doing now and I really want to see where I can go with it because it's already opened a lot of amazing opportunities up for me. But yeah, it's just like a fun, what will happen next kind of scenario. But I also find it funny being like underqualified for life because look, I'm currently studying a diploma of nutrition and I did, okay, this is kind of funny and it's such a flex. I did a certificate. I did a course at Harvard University during lockdown. (laughs) She a Harvard girly. I got the jumper, you know, like, and that was in justice, like human rights and stuff like that. And I was very passionate about it at the time. I, part of me thinks if I didn't end up becoming a dancer, I would have studied international relations and international development. Um, cause I'm very interested in politics and 
the legal system and stuff like that. So I think I would have really enjoyed studying that. Obviously, that's a part of like a Bachelor of Arts. So I would have been able to do other subjects that I also would have really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see like I've done all these random courses and nutrition obviously kind of goes hand in hand with dancing. And I've got my own goals and like what I would like to do with that diploma in the future, whether I finish it now or a couple of years down the track, I've got my own goals with that. And then in terms of like me being super interested in interior design, it's nice to know that like my boyfriend, for instance, his family do a lot of work in property development. So if I really wanted to, I would like my goal, I would love to do a project with my boyfriend because he wants to enter that field as well. And we could like flip houses together. Do I sound like Kendall Jenner in the newest episode of the Kardashians? Probably. But it's nice to just know that there are opportunities there, but you might not even know it. And I kind of want this to be a reminder to everyone that if you're feeling kind of like you're stuck in a situation or like in a career that's not fulfilling you and like your artistic or business minded ventures that you want to go down there is always room for movement and you can always find something else I've gone from working in a coffee shop and at an IGA to being a professional dancer and doing dance shows and doing children's entertainment to then working in nightclubs and then working in hospitality management to now retail management and fashion and being able to go to events and host a podcast and own my own business. So you just never know where life can lead you. And I think that's also a really good thing my parents have taught me. They've had so they've also experienced so many different careers over their lifetimes. And like for instance, I would love for my dad to come on the podcast one day because he started off, he's a big inspiration of mine in terms of business because he started off One of his first ever jobs was working in a sewerage factory and then he became a CEO of a health service. And so to be able to go from literally the pits, like digging up people's literal feces to being the top of a company, like that to me is so admirable and it's all about hard work and like pushing yourself to be able to get to where you are. And it's also about your support system that you have along the way, because I know he credits a lot of his work to my mum as well for being able to support him along the way, which I think is really beautiful. And obviously my mum was also an incredibly hard worker and now she's got a career in something she always loved. She wanted to open a bookshop when she was a child. That was her childhood dream. And now she's a librarian. And although it's not her own bookstore for instance it's working in a field that she's always loved and she loves reading and she loves being in that environment and so I think it's just interesting to see how you can go from one career to the next or you can really manifest the career that you've always wanted and I think it's just a healthy reminder that you're never truly stuck and I think that's something I have kind of I haven't really acknowledged the fact that I have been able to move around and find where I'm comfortable. I think I'm always looking for the next thing, but now I'm in a comfortable place and I'm like, wait, hold on a second. I need to appreciate what I've already been able to do for myself. 
And so it's just, yeah, it's just a healthy reminder that if you're not feeling fulfilled, there's no shame in trying something new and you shouldn't be afraid to try something new either. I think we're also all thinking we're on like this weird timeline where we should already be like starting our careers and getting quite intense with it and being like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life kind of thing. But you don't have to do that for the rest of your life if you don't want to. There's always something there for you. So I'm going to leave it there today just because I could ramble on and on for ages about all the goals that I have for like where I take things in my career down the track and how I think the audience can also write in and think about like how they want to create the life of their dreams as well. And this is a topic I'm going to expand on a lot down the track. Obviously I said, I want to have my dad on, for instance, I would love to have my mom on a podcast as well. I don't know how open she is to the idea though. And then there are so many people in business who I think would be incredible guest speakers to have on. I know so many of my friends are starting their own businesses and I couldn't be more proud of them. And they're all in such interesting fields. Like I've got personal trainers, I've got people who own entertainment companies and stuff like that. And it's just so interesting how people have been able to find a niche in the industry that they love and find their own way in it and find how they can create a space for themselves in the industry that already exists. So I'm really excited to be able to expand on this topic down the track. But in the meantime, I hope you liked today's episode. I know I did. And I hope you have a very fun and messy week ahead. See you later, guys.